This is Zoe Church LA. We're not just fans, but rather followers of Jesus. Tune in as Pastor Chad Veach teaches of God's love and how we can live a Zoe life, an abundant life. You there, Matthew 18? Okay, let's jump in. Let's jump in. Matthew chapter 18. We are in a series called King and Kingdom. King and Kingdom. We believe that the King of the universe, the King of all the world, is a man named Jesus. Anybody believe in Jesus today? We believe he's the king of all the kings. We believe because of faith in him, we have now entered into his kingdom. When Jesus came preaching, he only had one message. He would often, he would always preach about the kingdom of God. He'd say the kingdom of God is is here, or the kingdom of God is at hand. He would talk about what the kingdom is like. He was basically saying, there is a new world order because of me. There is a new regime. There is a a new paradigm because I have come to fulfill all the prophets and the prophecies. He's talking about the kingdom of God. In fact, when he taught us to pray, he said, you ought to pray this way. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be what? On earth, even as it is where? In heaven. So he was always talking about the kingdom. I want to talk today about that next part of prayer. He says, and forgive us our sins... As we simultaneously forgive those who sin against us. I want to talk tonight about what forgiveness looks like in the kingdom of God. Let's read here in Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. It says, Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to, would you say, do you think like seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven, which equals 490. Yeah, iPhone math. Let's go. And so, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king. He's trying to use their imagination. Like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, a talent in our currency would be like a million dollars. So for sake of the story, let's just say it's 10, even though it's 10,000 talents, let's just say it's $10 million. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Now, hundred denarii, that's like our equivalent of $600. Owed him $600 and laid hands on him and took him by the throat saying, pay me what you owe me. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him saying, have patience with me and I will pay you all. And he would not but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. Now, when his fellow servants saw what had been done, let me just pause real fast and say, you just never know who's watching your life. You never know who's paying attention to your actions. All of us are being watched. He said, when, when the other servants saw what this cruel man had done, when they, saw, they went and told their master what had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, you wicked servant, 
I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not have also had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry, delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. Now, this next verse, last verse 35, let me just give you emphasis real fast. Jesus has told this story. It's not a literal story. It's a figurative story. And he's told this story to use their imaginations so he could drum up or draw up what the kingdom of God and forgiveness looks like. He has said all this to get to verse 35. Watch what verse 35 reads. He says, so, now all that, so my heavenly father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Jesus is basically saying, listen, it's not just about me forgiving you of your sin. It is simultaneously about you forgiving other people's sins. This is not just me doing this for you. It's that I'm calling you. In fact, if you don't do this, you will block the flow of the kingdom of God. There is your power and your potential to release an open heaven where the kingdom of God is flowing in your life and it's also within your power to block the flow of the kingdom of God and it all has to do with the power and the potential of forgiveness. I want to preach a message today. You can write down the title. It's called Forgiven People, Forgiving People. Forgiven People that are now forgiven people. By show of hands here, anybody thankful that God has forgiven you of your sins? Come on, in fact, why don't we just put our hands together and let's just thank God. Come on, although our sins may many, come on, you can make some noise today. Are you grateful that Jesus has forgiven you of your sins? Come on, let's pray together. Let's believe that God will come and talk to us. Jesus, we thank you that you are so wonderful. You are so good, so kind, and so loving. We thank you today that you are for us and not against us. You are with us. We are acknowledging today your character and your nature and your love. Thank you today, God, that you have set in motion your hand of blessing. We receive your promises. Open up our eyes today so we can see you. Open up our ears today so we can hear you. We love you more than life itself. And God, we are praying together as a church that next year the Rams will win the Super Bowl, the Lakers will win the NBA championship, and Los Doyers will win the World Series. In Jesus' name, and everybody said together, Come on, Angelinos, put your hands together. Let's thank God. Even if you don't really care, come on, just keep clapping. It feels good. Um, by show of hands here today, if you have ever had to forgive somebody, let me just see your hand. Just put your hand up. You ever had at least, well, at least one person, if you had to forgive somebody, somebody stabbed you in the back, somebody talked about your mama, somebody, somebody rejected you or uninvited you or just, for, for, I wish forgiveness was easy. The older that I get, the harder forgiving, forgiving becomes. Like it's just, I wish it was, I wish it was as easy as it is for my two little boys. I have two boys, one is four and one is two. They're always fighting. Right now in our house, we're trying to teach our boys how to share an impossible task. And so at our house, they're always fighting, they're always getting into feuds, always scuffles, you know, and they'll run into the house. And it's amazing to me, my four-year-old is smooth. My four-year-old, he's a lover, not a fighter. 
fighter. My, my, my four-year-old, he, he's awesome, Winston. But my two-year-old, my two-year-old is savage. My, my two-year-old is, my two-year-old, he just, he, he's looking to beat somebody up at all times. And so when they come in, I already know who did the, who did the damage, okay? So they come run the house, and, and they're crying, and they're upset, and I'll sit them down, and I'm trying to, you know, hear the truth. Somewhere in between both stories is the truth. And so I'll, I'll, I'll look at one of them, and whoever was the one that hit the other or pulled the hair, I will look at that young man and say, son, you need to look at your brother and you need to apologize. You need to say, I'm sorry. So one of the brothers will look and look at the other brother and say, oh, I'm sorry. And, and, and then the other one, usually it's the four-year-old, I'll look at him and say, okay, your brother said sorry for what he did. I want you to look now at your brother and I want you to say, I forgive you, brother. And so he's like, I forgive you. And I say, all right, come on and give each other a hug. You ever watch a two-year-old and a four-year-old try to hug each other? It's like, a, it's like this kind of hug. <laughs> they just like collapse. Like, <laughs> like that's not really a hug, but it'll do for today. So then they hug each other. And this is my favorite part. My favorite part is one has apologized. One has received the apology. And now they've hugged it out. And now I get to look at them and say, all right, let's go. High fives. Boom. Give both of them high fives. Go outside and go and play. And you would think. 15 seconds ago, they were losing their mind. And now they're running outside like nothing ever happened. I think to myself, I want my life to be that easy. I want forgiveness to look that easy. I want to talk today around the reality of the power of forgiveness in your life. Now, when you enter into this kingdom, there are four things that automatically and immediately happen in your life. When you say yes to God, you come into his kingdom, you immediately receive deliverance. You immediately receive healing, salvation, and forgiveness. Like as soon as you say yes to God, anybody thankful today that you are delivered from the power of hell into the power of God? Come on, somebody thank God today that you've been delivered. Come on. You have been delivered. You receive healing. You receive salvation and forgiveness of sin. In fact, Jesus said, my blood was shed for the forgiveness of sins. The reason why God came was to forgive. So he is now talking about what forgiveness looks like in this kingdom. I like Peter. Peter's been with Jesus for a while. He's been walking with Jesus. He's seen, you know, like the feeding of the 5,000. His mom had a fever one time. Jesus was like, bam, it's gone. Jesus has been healing the sick and raising the dead and performing miracles and preaching in boats and hills. And he's, he, Peter knows Jesus. So Peter comes up to Jesus and he goes, um, just give it to me straight, Jesus. I know you're a big grace guy, forgiveness guy. Tell me, how many times... Do I have to forgive somebody that hurts me? What, what, where, where should we start? Do you think it's like, and he, and he knows God's character. So he goes, do you think it's like, Jesus, should we do seven times? Because that's like a lot of forgiveness. Seven times sounds good. He's trying to like find out how much this kingdom is going to require me to forgive. Give me a limit. Give me a black and white. Give me an answer. It's amazing. When you come into this kingdom, watch Jesus' reply. He goes, Peter, I don't say to you seven times, but 70 times seven, which equals 490, which proves the fact that Jesus is not trying to get to 490. He's trying to say in this kingdom, there is an unlimited amount of forgiveness. It's not about seven or 70 or 70 times seven. We're just going to keep on forgiving and keep on loving no matter how many times we get our feelings hurt. In fact, write down point number one today. Throw the calculations and the regulations out the window. 
just love that about Jesus' kingdom. He basically just says, listen, in my world, stop trying to live under the law. The law was all about rules, regulations, this much, this many, do this, don't do this. In this kingdom, it's like, it's like the rich young ruler. Remember, the rich young ruler comes to Jesus, and the rich young ruler is like, all right, just shoot it straight, Jesus. What do I have to do to enter into the kingdom of God? What's the minimum requirement? And Jesus says something so hard for him. He goes, what you have to do is sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and then come follow me. In other words, in this kingdom, it's not about rules and regulations it's an all-in kingdom it's an unlimited kingdom is there anybody grateful today that God has given you an unlimited amount of forgiveness in your life throw the rules and the regulations and the calculations out the window it's like tithing it's not in this kingdom it's not no longer about 10 percent People say, how much do I have to tithe? How much do I have to give to God? Like, how much do I have to get on pushback and give to God 10 percent no in this kingdom it's not about 10 percent and we give our whole life to God it's not calculations and regulations. This is the grace kingdom. This is the Jesus kingdom. So Jesus sees Peter struggling to fathom what he's just said. It's not about seven times, Pete. It's 70 times seven. How can I liken it? Let me use an illustration. Um, okay, he goes, okay, let, let, let's just imagine. Imagine there's a servant that owes his master $10 million dollars. Pete's like, $10 million, that's a lot of money. Yeah, $10 million. Imagine he comes to his master, and the master is demanding payment. He comes to his master, he gets on his hands and knees, and he begs, Master, please, I can't pay this back. I, I don't have this much money. He begs for forgiveness. The Bible says here, and Jesus used this example, he said, because the master has compassion, he releases him and forgives the debt. I just like that order. The first thing he has is compassion. The second thing he does is free him. And the third thing he does is forgive him. The first thing you need to know about God is God has compassion for you. God looks at your life and he cares about it. God could cry. God is, has emotions towards you. Is there anybody grateful today? You're not the only person that has compassion for your situation. Some of you might feel like nobody cares about me. Nobody's watching me. Who's going to cry over my situation? God himself has compassion for your life. When Jesus, when they said, Jesus, your friend Lazarus is dead, the first thing he did was just cry. He just shut the whole thing down. Give me a Mariah Carey track, cry. Because he has compassion. The reason why he has compassion is because he is compassion. So the first thing the master does is he has compassion. He feels something. He fe Listen, it was love that made Jesus go to the cross. It was his love for humanity. It was his love for our brokenness. So he has compassion, and the second thing he does is release him. I just love this about God. God's heart is freedom for your life. God wants you to be free, free from pain, free from addiction, free from anything that would cause you to harm yourself or have a bad thinking pattern. God wants you to be free so you can laugh, free to live a full life, free so you can live your God-given potential. The enemy wants to bind you. He wants to give you, get you bound to something that's going to destroy you. God wants you to free you. In fact, the Bible says whom the Son sets free is free indeed. The Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Is there anybody grateful today that God's heart and will for your life is that you would experience true freedom. In fact, I'll just tell you the mission of Zoe Church. What is, why do we exist as a community? The mission of our church is that you would know God, find freedom, discover your gift, your God-given potential, and go make a difference in this earth. Know God. 
Like, we don't want you just to know about God. We want you to have a relationship with God. We want you to know God and find freedom. So many Christians know God, but they're still bound. They know Jesus, but they're still addicted. Jesus came into a church on a Sunday. He opens the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. He says, the spirit of God is upon me because he's anointed me to declare freedom to those who've been captive. God wants you to be free. The enemy would love to bind you, bind you to, he doesn't even care what it is, just as long as you're bound. But all the way from the book of Exodus, all the way into the New Testament, the theme of scripture and the theme of God is freedom for his people. All the way back in Exodus, God was saying, let my people go. Even today, God would say that to your life. I want you to be free, free from substance, free from abuse, free from addiction, free from anything that's going to hurt your life. Somebody praise the Lord today. If you're grateful that God doesn't want you to be bound, God wants you to be free. So he has compassion, and he releases him, and then he forgives the debt. Would you write down point number two? Jesus is freedom and forgiveness. This is who he is. Jesus is freedom, but Jesus is also forgiveness. I love this because he first sets you free and then he forgives you of your debt. It's amazing that Jesus is trying to use like $10 million because he's trying to show us how much we racked as far as a, a debt, as far as our sin. We owe God so much. There is no way we could repay God. God knew that the bill of sin was going to be so high that the only thing that would really release it was Jesus coming to die on the cross for our sins. So Jesus paid the debt. He paid the penalty because you and I could never repay God for the sin in our life. So he has come to free us and he's come to forgive us. I remember a few years ago before we moved to Los Angeles, I had this friend that always uh, goes big on his birthday. I like people that do their birthday big. And so this guy always goes big on his birthday. So he invited me. He said, hey, this year for my birthday, we're staying at this beautiful place. It's on the water. We're going to golf. We're going to hang out. Everything is paid for. There is nothing better than balling out on somebody else's expense. Hello, church. And so I was like, your boy is in. So I flew down from Seattle. I came down to hang out with my buddy. And we, me, a bunch of boys, we're just having the time of our life. We're golfing. We're eating. We're laughing. Ball out. We're having fun. So th at the end of this uh, weekend, I, we went, go to the front desk to check out of the resort we're staying at. Now, he, he knows all of this is paid for, but it's just good duty to go and thank the management and, you know, go sign. We, you know, we're checking out. So he goes. I'll never forget. You know, when you go to check out of a hotel, they slide a piece of paper across across the, you know, uh, the counter, and they're basically saying, you know, this is what it is. Now, I'll never forget, because when the lady, when she passed the piece of paper, my, my, my friend's face, he just, he went to a cold sweat. He just looked, he stared, blank stare. I don't know where he went. He was gone. And then after about five seconds, he woke up, and he, excuse me for a second, he went to call somebody. Now, he had been presumptuous. He thought that last year's deal was still going to be this year's deal. That's an assumption. And so what was good for last year was not good for this year. So he had to walk back, throw out his credit card, and everything we had racked up, he was paying. And I was not offering Venmo. Hello. And so... He had racked up this bill. When it comes to you and I, we have racked up such a bill of sin. God has forgiven us. Come on, we might have owed him $10 million, but is there anybody grateful today that Jesus said, I have come with compassion. I will release you, and I will forgive you of your sin. Come on, somebody thank God that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is everlasting life. He said, let me just teach you. It's like you owe $10 million. 
And I, as your master, forgave you of the debt, released you, and freed you from that punishment. Now imagine you go out of the church service and somebody owes you $600. And you get, it's amazing to me, did you notice the language Jesus is using? He's talking about people that treat one another cruelly. It says so much about who you are, the way you treat others. There is nothing more spiritual you can do than being kind. He says, this man goes out, he is cruel to this other man, and he demands payment. It's amazing. Everybody wants forgiveness. Nobody wants to give forgiveness. We want grace and blessing. We don't want to give grace and blessing. So this man received 10 million, woo, debt free. Hey, you better, you better pay up. You better pay up. You owe me $600. And he's cruel and he's harsh and he's mean-spirited. It's an unforgiving spirit. Remember what an unforgiving spirit will do in your life. An unforgiving spirit will manifest in your relationships. It will cause you to treat people in a poor and terrible way. An unforgiving spirit will literally cause you to, people will watch you act, act and they'll go, D -d -d do you not realize what you were just forgiven of? So these guys watch this unforgiving servant. They go report it to the master and they said, you, you, you're never going to believe what we just saw. We just saw so-and-so that was forgiven of 10 million. He is demanding 600. This is an unforgiving spirit manifested in his life. Would you write down point number three? Here's what we all have to do. We should forgive quickly and often. I'll tell you what will save your life in 2018. I'll tell you what will change your relationships this year. If you make a decision, I will choose to forgive quickly and I will forgive often. Don't be a person that holds long accounts. Be, be short with your accounts with others. Be, make the decision, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to forgive quick and I'm going to forgive often. In fact, you ought to just make... I, I love this. Uh, when the L.A. fires happened, we have a friend that was in the L.A. fires. And the L.A. fires happened and everything. And this lady, this mom told me, she said, you know what? It didn't get our house, but it made me think to myself, I don't have an exit plan in place. So what I learned from the L.A. fires was I now have an exit strategy in place. So now when this happens, I know what to do. You know what? Offenses are going to come your way. You are going to get hurt. Life will happen. People will betray you. Humans are humans and God is God. So when that offense comes, you ought to today decide how you're going to handle it. You ought to, before it happens, already make the decision, I choose to forgive. Jesus, when he died for the sins of the world, Jesus didn't wait like, okay, I'm going to get up out the grave, I'm going to go back to heaven, and then let's see how I feel about forgiveness. While he was on the cross with a crown of thorns and nails in his hands, he said, Father, forgive them. Come on, that's forgiving quickly. Is there anybody down to make the decision, I choose to forgive quick and I choose to forgive often? You got to just make the choice now. I'm choosing to forgive. I'm making an exit plan. If a fire happens, I know what I'm doing. I'm choosing forgiveness. I read this article this last week, and I was so moved by it because I had heard about this uh, happening, but I hadn't read for myself. So I, I did some research on, remember in South Carolina, Charleston, that evil, horrific act that happened in that church where that young man walked in and was looking to take people out in that church service and, and killed a bunch of people in the midst of Bible study. And I had heard this, but I wanted to read it for myself. These family members of the victims, they were attending his trial and got a chance to speak to this kid. This kid who was struggling with the disease of racism. Such evilness had taken over his heart. And the, the family members would talk to this, this kid, Dylan, while he stood on the stand. And one particular stood out to me. One of the sister-in-laws said to this young man, he said, I want to tell you from our family, we forgive you of your actions. That's faith. 
In fact, she said, in fact, I will go anytime you want me to. I will come and pray with you in your jail cell. I thought that's the power of forgiveness. You want to know why you should forgive? Because you can't let anything slow you down. Don't let anything in life break your stride. You got too much going on. You got too big of a call on your life. You got too many things ahead of you. Come on, release the sting of offense. Don't let that bitterness take hold. It's going to slow you down. Am I preaching to anybody today that would make the decision, I will forgive quickly and I will forgive often? Watch this in Psalm 119. Psalm 119, 165. Look at this verse. It's beautiful. Great peace have those who love your law, and nothing causes them to stumble. Great peace. You know what? You ought to make this your commitment. I want to have peace with God, peace with others, and peace with myself. So many people feel like God's mad at me. No, you have peace with God. I want to have peace with others. There's nothing worse than having enemies. Even worse, having frenemies. That's just cool. I want to say it so bad. Frenemies, that's fire. And um, there's nothing worse than not being at peace with yourself. And so often it's like we think, oh, forgiveness is just about forgiving somebody else. You got to forgive yourself quickly. Forgive yourself for what you've done. Many of us, we're good at forgiving other people, but you can't forgive yourself. You can't receive grace. We forgive quickly and we forgive often. I'm forgiving quickly. I'm making that decision. I'm quick to forgive. I'm quick to forgive. Why? Because there's too much going on. It's amazing to me, a lot of the people that have hurt you, a lot of people that have really just creased you and cost you so much emotional heartache, you realize it's not affecting them at all. It's only affecting you. you unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. So many of us are like, oh, I'm so mad at you. It's affecting you, not them. Write down number four. Here's what we have to understand. All of life is a heart issue. All of life, if you boil it down, all of life boils down to all of life being an issue of the heart. In fact, Proverbs chapter four says, out of the heart flow the issues of life. Out of your heart affects everything. So the reason why we gotta be people of forgiveness is because if your heart goes bad, your whole life will go bad. I can't afford for my life to go bad, so I got to keep my heart clean. All of life flows out of our heart. So you got to just say, if all of life is a heart issue, then I'm going to get over my issues. Anybody by show of hands, you've ever had an issue with somebody? Just don't point at them in the service. You ever had an issue with somebody? An issue with your mom, issue with a friend, issue with a neighbor? Life is about overcoming issues. Saying I had an issue, I got past that issue. I have, I was struggling with this issue. I'm moving beyond it. Now, next Sunday, February 4th, we will watch the New England Patriots. We will watch them win another championship. It's the worst thing ever. I hate it. It's all my heart. Interesting that they are winning their sixth championship, huh? Biblical number for six. You get it, huh? Very bad. Hashtag just saying. But I'm amazed at the New England Patriots because every year we watch them in the Super Bowl and every year they overcome issues. Like every year there's some drama, something around them. They went from Spygate to Deflategate to Watergate to your mama gate. I mean, they just always got something. This year, think about it, they got so many injuries this year. They're, they're tied in, the all-star, Gronk, Gronk, Gronk's out. 
And this year, the owner, the coach, and the quarterback, Tom Brady, are in a feud. It's all over the media. But they have this ability to have issues, and they just blow past them. They have issues. Other people, other teams, other organizations, it would have just thrown the locker room into a frenzy. It would have totally messed up the play. But they have an ability to move past the issue. I want to encourage you this year that you have the power and the potential to move beyond your issues. You got an issue with somebody? That's all right. Solve it in your heart. Jesus, listen, we, we got to verse 35. What did Jesus say? He said, listen, I'm not talking about verbal forgiveness. I'm talking about heart forgiveness. He said, unless you forgive somebody that's hurt you from your heart, your Father in heaven will not forgive you. Jesus is talking about connectivity between our words and our heart. There is nothing worse than somebody that says something and feels another way. There's nothing worse somebody living disconnected between their words and their heart. Their heart is in one position. Their words are in another. There is no worse place to live. Jesus quoted Isaiah, and he said, These people, they drive me crazy because they draw near to me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. God is always concerned with the condition and the health of your heart. God wants your heart to be close. God wants your heart to be clean. God wants your heart to be free from bitterness and unforgiveness. I don't know who I'm preaching to today, but I felt like encouraging somebody to tell you you have the power and the potential to let that thing go. Let it go. It's not worth it. It shouldn't cost you another day. It shouldn't cost you another night. That person has long moved on. You ought to do the same. So I'm making the decision to say I'm a forgiven person and I'm choosing to forgive somebody else. Because forgiving people only stems out of being forgiven as a person ourselves. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. We hope you were inspired and encouraged by the message. To get more information about Zoe Church, check out our website, www.zoechurch.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and the newly added Snapchat under the handle Zoe Church LA. Have a blessed day.